Hello everyone and welcome to episode 24 of season 1, Reading with Grace. Today is a very special episode because we are finishing The Unwanted's Island of Silence, so it's a bit on the shorter side. Today we will be picking up from chapter 66, but first a recap of chapters 62 through 65. Alex gave a very powerful speech to the people of Artime about sticking together and not losing hope in Artime, the people, or himself. He also told them he was going to try his absolute best to restore Artime to its former glory, although inside he really has no idea how to do that. Aaron paid Alex a visit at the gate to give him Mr. Today's robe and to tell Alex he killed Mr. Today with Alex's own spell heart attack. Alex is having quite a hard time trying to figure out things all by himself. The silent girl showed Alex a place on the roof of the shack to breathe on his own. She also found a small replica of the mansion she showed Alex. Gondoliri Rattrap regained her magic on her own and made it rain. So that is the end of the summary, and I hope you guys enjoy the end to the Unwanted's Island of Silence. Sixty-six, in a dark cave. Weak and blind, Sam Heat sat in total deafening silence. He pounded his hands on the dirt floor of the cave, scratched his fingernails on his pants, kicked his feet against the wall. There was no sound at all. He felt like he didn't exist, except for the constant waves of pain around his neck. Now and then he'd open his mouth to yell for Lonnie and Megan, but no noise left him, no matter how hard he tried. He felt utterly helpless. He couldn't see, couldn't make a sound, and his friends were gone. Every now and then he felt a small breeze, as if someone walked past him. But he could never catch that person in time. There was no way to tell when the breeze was coming. No way to tell how many minutes or hours or days were passing. After the second breeze, Sam he crawled around and touched a tray of food quite by accident. Next to it was a cup of water. He ate and drank and then stayed exactly there so when the breeze came, he'd be able to reach out and grab it. But the breeze brought the next food and water to a different spot. By the fourth time, Sammy had determined that the breeze could see him and would only go where he wasn't. His entire existence was pointless. All he could do was now think of Lonnie and Megan had gotten away, and deep down beneath the pain of abdomen, he hoped for it. He really did. Not just for their sakes, but for his. If they'd escaped, maybe they'd get Mr. Today to come and rescue him, and he could take away this pain. It was so hard to bear when there was no distractions anywhere. Please, 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 he said from his silent lips over and over again. Is anybody there? Can anybody help me? Time passed, and nothing changed. When he drifted off into a hard sleep, he dreamed he was lying in the sun on the beach of Artime, listening to the creatures singing softly on the lawn, and the murmurs from conversations nearby while he dozed. He was free from the dark and silent cave, free from the painful thorny collar around his neck. In a dream, a cool hand touched his cheek, and he smiled, realizing he wasn't alone. He reached for the hand, traced his fingers up the arm, and touched the face of a girl, who was touching his. It was the most comfort he'd had since the piercing sleep arrow embedded in his back. But then something bumped his foot, jarring him from the dream. Someone was shaking him awake, grasping and pulling his shirt, almost ripping it. He sat up alarmed, plunged once again into the darkness and silence and pain of the cave. He pulled his hand back to throw a punch, but the person pushed him down to the floor on his back once more, pinning him. He struggled to get free. Even when he felt her fingers touch his cheek, his lips, he fought her, though he was weak. She pushed mightily to keep him on his back, then sat down hard on his chest, knocking the wind from him, and pinned one of his arms to the floor with her foot. With both hands, she grabbed his other arm and pulled it close to her body. She brought his hand up to her head and squeezed his fingers around her hair. She forced his hand to travel down the length of it and held it there. Then she touched his lips and felt the chest a heave a sigh of relief. Lonnie? 
His lips moved against her finger, and he was overcome. She scrambled off of him. He rose to his elbow and grabbed blindly for her hand, trying to let her know that he understood now. He held her fingers to his cheek and nodded, and put his hand on her face as well. She did the same. He could feel her relax next to him, both of them exhausted and aching, breathing hard, not making a sound. And then she started to shake. Sammy reached out and wrapped his arms gently around her shoulders, and she slid close to him, gripping his shirt and burying her face in it. They held on to each other, trying to survive a minute at a time, until somebody, anybody, came to rescue them. Sixty-seven. One last message. On the roof of the gray shack, Alex gripped the colorful cloth like it was a lifeline. This is his robe, he whispered to the girl. She nodded, pushed her fingers through her hair, and lifted them up, making her hair stand up. Yes, Alex said, laughing a little. Yes, the man with the hair, Mr. Today. He paused and grew somber again. He's dead now. The girl put a finger to her eye and traced an invisible tear down it. Yeah, Alex said. He was a little embarrassed now that he cried so hard in front of a stranger. Not because he was male, since men and women in Artime cried freely whenever they felt like crying, but because an unexpected sobbing might make a stranger feel awkward. But she didn't seem to mind. And Simber, he said, you probably never saw him. He's huge and scary looking, so I'm sure they kept him away from you once you woke up. But he was really nice deep down. He looked sidelong at her now, remembering the first time meeting face to face. You totally spit all over me, he remembered her, trying not to smile. She raised her hand to her mouth, eyes wide and mischievous. Then she acted out the scene from her perspective. Alex tried to narrate. It was like doing pantomimes in an actor's studio. You were scared, he guessed. Everyone was staring at you. She nodded. She looked around forlorn. You didn't know where you were, he said. And the boy, is he your brother? She nodded. Ah, okay, that's what I thought. Anyway, you're saying he was sleeping and wouldn't wake up, and you didn't know what was happening. The silent girl nodded again. And so you spit water on me. Makes perfect sense. She laughed a silent laugh. Then she made a sorry face. Alex smiled sadly. Oh, it's okay. It was just a little spit. He reached out absentmindedly and touched the metal thorns around her neck. She shrank back slightly and Alex looked up. Oh, jeez, I'm sorry. He pulled his hand away. You saw my friend Megan inside, right? He asked. She nodded, her face turning serious again. I guess that's your island, huh? Did you and your brother escape? She narrowed her eyes and looked away quickly, focusing on the ocean. What? Did I say something bad? She didn't respond or react in any way. Okay, sorry, he said. You don't want to talk about it. She gave him a measured sidelong glance and then rolled her eyes. Oops, he said. He was quiet for a moment. But don't you want that neck thing taken off? I'm just worried what will happen, like, to your neck and your voice and stuff if it comes off. Plus, we don't exactly have the right tools here. The girl raised her hands and put them in front of Alex's face, pushing him away. He took her wrists and gently moved them apart so he could see her face. I don't understand, he said. She bit her lip and turned her face away, and now it was her turn to cry. Dang it, he said under his breath. I'm sorry, I'll shut up now. I didn't mean to make you cry. He dropped her wrists and scrambled to his knees, sinking his hands deep into his pockets to see if he had a hanky, forgetting that all of his clothes had been soaked in the ocean, along with everything in his pockets. He pulled out a few bits of wadded-up tissue, some useless scatter clips, and a marble from one pocket. From the other, he pulled out something he didn't recognize at first. It was a folded piece of paper. And then he gasped, his heart thudding in his chest. He recognized the colorful border design. It had to be a spell for Mr. Today. Why hadn't he thought to check his pockets earlier? His hands shook violently as he tried to unfold it, beginning to catch a break, pleading that the ocean water hadn't washed the magical words away. He didn't notice the silent girl watching him, startled from her tears by his sudden strange behavior. 
Finally, he got the paper open and he smoothed it out carefully. The words were there. They had not been washed away at all. Each letter was bright and clear as the morning sky. He held the note up to the light of the moon and read, To whom it may concern, Follow the dots as the traveling sun. Magnify, focus, every one. Stay enthrobbed where you first saw me. Utter an order, repeat times three. I apologize for the cryptic nature of this note, but I know you'll understand. I'm sorry, my boy, so very sorry. I've left you what you need in my chambers, but if something unexpected happens, follow the above. Yours, Marcus Today. P.S. Five heart attack components, what a waste. He could have done the deed with three. Ha ha, ouch. P.P.S. In case you're curious, he's got two left on the desk. Remember for later. Farewell, I do believe in you. Alex stared at the note. He read it once, and a second time. His heart ached, remembering the amazing Mr. Today, and it made him feel a little bit better to know that the old mage was jolly enough to make a joke, even at the end. But Alex's eyes kept going back to the spell, which made almost no sense at all. The only word that stuck out was enrobed. He knew what it meant. He clutched Mr. Today's robe like it was a gift made of gold, and delighted in the ease of its acquisition. Ha! Huh, he said aloud, looking up. Aaron had given him something invaluable, and he hadn't even meant to. All Alex had to do was figure out the rest of it meant, then wear the robe, and ta-da, Artemis would be back. Alex's blood surged. To have such a valuable clue put him about a hundred times closer to saving Artemis than he'd been five minutes ago. He was so excited that he nearly lost his balance and fell off the roof, but the silent girl grabbed his shirt just in time. He steadied himself, sat back down, and squeezed her hand, thanking her. He scratched his head through the mess of tangled hair and stared at the note. This is it, he whispered reverently. This is the help I've been begging for. He looked at the girl and said, You know what? We might just live through this after all. He looked out to the west where Warbler was, and even though he couldn't see it from here in the darkest hours, and even though there was no magic to be found in all of Artemis, still Alex concentrated with all his might and whispered to his friends a world away. Hold on. And that is the conclusion of The Unwanted's Island of Silence, book two of the Unwanted series. I hope you truly enjoyed. I know I loved reading it to you guys. And next episode, we will begin book three of the Unwanted series, The Unwanted's Island of Fire. So I hope you will join me for that. And I hope to see you next time. Have a great week. Bye. Bye.